0: Today's episode is a deep
1: dive on customer service. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. This episode is brought to you by CheckedIn, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic. And with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, And it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally, and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked in has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country, and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to CheckedIn.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to find out what those leaders, what are they paying attention to? What are the, the trends that they're looking at, the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that they've learned throughout their career? And then we try to take all of those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today I'm joined by my old friend, Kevin Gober. Uh, He is actually in the midst of planning the NBA All-Star Game uh, as we record this episode. So we recorded this on a Friday. NBA All-Star Game was on a Sunday. So he was running around all over the place, but he knew that with our guest coming on today, he had to be on the episode. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about uh, Shep Hyken, who's our guest so Shep is a customer service and customer experience expert, and he's the chief amazement officer. I love that title, chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. Uh, he's a New York Times and a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and he's been inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame for lifetime achievement in the speaking profession. Shep works with companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees not dissimilar from what we do at engagement. Shep's articles have been read in hundreds of publications, and he's the author of a few different books. So I'm going to go through some of them here. Amaze every customer, every time moments of magic, the loyal customer, the cult of the customer and the amazement revolution. So Shep definitely has his writing game down. Uh, Feel free to check out any of those books. If you like Shep's thoughts on customer experience and customer service, uh, he's also the creator of the Customer Focus Program, which helps clients develop a customer service culture and a loyalty mindset. So, important to note, uh, Shep has literally been doing this longer than I've been alive. Uh, so, as good as as we think we are at, at customer service and culture, uh, Shep's experience is so, so deep. Uh, in 1983, Shep Hyken founded Shepherd Presentations. And since then, he's worked with hundreds of clients, ranging from Fortune 100 sized organizations to companies with less than 50 employees. All right, here are some of his clients, and these are literally just the A's. American Airlines, AAA, Anheuser-Busch, AT&T, Aetna, Abbott Laboratories, American Express. You get the picture. Uh, Shep's most requested programs, they always focus on customer service, customer loyalty, internal service, customer relations, and he's known for his high energy and entertaining content-rich presentations. Now, uh, As you can imagine, uh, with Kevin and I, where Kevin is focused at State Farm Arena and the Atlanta Hawks, he's focused on learning and development there. He's focused on uh, the arena experience and really training all the employees to deliver a great customer experience, one of the best in the NBA. That's Kevin's focus. And then my focus here, leading engagement, uh, we do a lot of work with companies behind the scenes to really work on the nitty-gritty internal processes and systems that are not sexy and are behind the scenes. But those are the things that allow organizations to actually go deliver and connect with customers. Um, so between the three of us, as you can imagine, we go pretty deep on customer service uh, culture, how to change leaders' mindsets to get them focused on delivering great customer service and what are the actual details and process changes that need to take place in your organization so that you can go deliver that great service. Uh, so it's a great episode. We bounced all over the place. We could have done like three more of these. You'll, you'll tell we were having fun with this one. Um, but yeah, let's jump into this episode. I'm, I'm tired of rambling. So without further ado, uh, here is Shep Hyken, Kevin Gober, and myself. <laughs> All right. KG, Shep, what's going on, guys? Happy Friday. Hey,
2: hey. Happy Friday. Welcome to be back.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, all right, before we get in with Shep, who we're going to spend an awesome next 45 minutes to an hour with, uh, KG, big weekend for you. We got NBA All-Star game at your arena this this Sunday. And today, what's today? What the hell's today? The 5th? <laughs> Friday today the
2: 5th. Yeah, yeah. So for, depending on when this airs, yes, yeah, Friday the 5th, we got All-Star going on downtown. I understand in this COVID-related environment, there's, on, there's only about 30 major parties planned. I won't be at any one of them. But anyway, it's exciting for the city. And, uh, you know, it's a made made for a TV event. So hopefully uh, those that are out there looking for something to do on Sunday will tune in and, uh, you know, have some have some fun. It's
1: I mean, it, to say it's a made for TV event is crazy because it's always my favorite event to go to in person. Because yeah. there's just so much star power yeah. around it. But it is. again, it's, this yeah. year is a little different.
2: A little different. You know, I will give a, will give a shout out to the NBA and Commissioner uh, Silver in that, right, the focus this year, as everybody's seen, if you've seen the announcements, focusing on HBCUs here, historically black colleges and universities here in the Atlanta area. And most, most, most importantly, and I take my hat off, I raise my hand, you know, to those essential healthcare workers that we'll be saluting, you know, this weekend, you know, God bless them.
1: hundred percent. Um, well, let, let's get into it with Shep. Uh, speaking of All-Star, right? I think there's a lot of roll, red carpet rollouts that usually happen and whatnot. Uh, and our guest today, Shep Hyken, uh, you are, are the king of the customer, if you will. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about kind of how you got started into really being passionate about the customer experience and customer service way before it was popular. Back in the 80s, you were talking about this. Yeah, and talk actually, to us a little I, bit about how you got started.
0: Yeah, I learned about it when I was 12, uh, back in the 70s. <laughs> it's
1: a true how, story. How, how is that? How is that? Well, right, so, and, the and by the
0: way, my first job, I was about nine years old. I worked at my grandpa's pharmacy three days a week. That was fun. But I started my own business when I was 12, a birthday party magic show business. And after the first show, I came home. It was a school night. My mom said, What are you doing after, after dinner? And I, I thought, Homework is the right answer. She goes, Not till you write that thank you note to the customer that just paid you $16 to do that damn magic show. Mm, (laughs) There were a bunch of little screaming kids. And Mm. actually I only charged 15, but they tipped me a dollar. Ooh, exciting. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I went and wrote that note and my dad said, that was a great idea, but you know what you ought to do next week after they receive the note call, make sure they're happy. Thank them again and ask them, how did you like the show? And then ask them specifically, what did you like about the show? And they'll tell you what tricks they liked. And if you do this enough times, you'll start to hear, a lot of the same tricks, and then you'll also notice people don't talk about some of the tricks. Get rid of those and replace them with tricks they will talk about. Great. Now, little did I know this was showing appreciation, which every customer deserves, but also getting feedback, listening to the customer, voice of the customer, if you will, and process improvement. All of this at 12 years old. I just didn't know that was what it was called. And of course, my business expanded and I was doing lots of birthday parties and I got into nightclubs and all that. But when I graduated college, Uh, I was working for a company and I thought I'm going to work here the rest of my life. So that, and I started full time like where I'm done with school because school graduated in like late May. Now it's June 1st. I start September. They bring me in, they go, we're selling the company. Uh, You better go find another job. Didn't know what I was going to do. I saw a couple of motivational speakers, Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins. You may be familiar with those names. Uh, Zig's passed away, but Tom's still around. And I thought, I, you know, I, I needed to get motivated, which is why I went. But when I was done with that evening, I thought, I can do that. I love this idea of taking care of people, of customer service, because I had finally learned what it was. One of the jobs I had was in retail. Uh, and I actually, the I, I talk about how I was in the oil business. I pumped gas at a retail <laughs> gas station. <laughs> and they had, con- it was a convenience store chain. But I was with them for a long time. And I had summer jobs there. And I worked through college. And I learned what taking care of customers was all about. I thought, I'm going to write a speech about that. That's where it all started. And so I've just been, I learned so much from my clients, but I've been researching and reading so much over the years and uh, probably read eight to 10 articles a day, every day. Uh, I believe that if you immerse yourself into something at that level, uh, over time, you'll gather enough information, at least form, have an informed opinion and hopefully you've formed a good opinion of what's going on that people listen and respect
2: hey chef you just said something there you said uh we're talking about customer service now right and you said even at an early age you learned that this is about taking care of people you mean it's not about profits and dollars and right <laughs> expanding the business hey, Well, talk sure to us it about is. taking care of people
0: yeah but i mean in order to get it's like i'll i'll, I'll give you a quote by the uh, I believe he's a professor at Stanford University, uh, Steve Blank, who said, without customers, you don't have a business. So let me ask you a question. I mean, if you do you need revenue? Do you need to make a sale? Well, you need a customer. Do you want the customer to come back? Do you want the customer to talk about you? Do you want to constantly have to go out looking for new customers, or do you want to keep the ones you have, at least a good percentage of them? Well, I think we all know the answers to all of those questions. It really does start well. If you want to, with the chicken or the egg, Great employees, drives a great (laughs) service experience. Of course it does. But if you don't have the customers supporting you uh, financially,
1: buying what it is that you sell, you're going to be out of business eventually.
2: Right, right. No
1: doubt. Uh, I mean, a couple things there for me. One, we do a lot of work at at engagement with college athletic departments. And to me, this is the biggest struggle in that. And it's the same struggle with any nonprofit, I think. Any organization that's really mission-focused, can tend to put too much focus on that mission and not enough on the people that pay for them to be able to be mission focused. And it's like at the end of the day, you don't have a mission if you don't have someone that can fund the activities that you're doing towards that mission.
0: And and part of what has to happen is that the people who are funding, hence your customers, have to be in alignment with that mission. And uh, and really, they've got to be in alignment with what your whole company is all about and what it stands for. It's one thing to say, I've got a product that people will buy, uh, but now I've got a product that people will buy, and here's how I'm going to move them to a point that makes them want to talk about us and come back again. And to me, one of the most important metrics that any company can look at, any executive can look at, is does the customer, fan, whatever you want to call them, do they come back? and You can look at uh, your NPS scores, net promoter score, which is on a scale of 0 to 10, what's the likelihood you'd recommend us? Uh, What's your basic customer satisfaction scores, you know, on 1 to 10 or 0 to 10 or 1 to 5? Whatever it is, whatever the scale is, uh, were you happy? Did we give you a good experience? Blah, blah, blah. I love those. And you need to know that to get specific. But there's one metric that doesn't, you know, the metric is uh, that gauges behavior is coming back. The rest of it is just sentiment and how I felt about the experience. So I want to know, does what they think drive people to come back? Uh, And if it works, great. And two ways you're going to get people to come, well, three ways, obviously, create the experience. But what you really need to do is put emotion into it. Uh, You know, people talk about customer loyalty. Before you could have customer loyalty, you probably have repeat customers. And there's a difference, and it's subtle, but it's so important. Repeat customers come back. And we want those. And if we can keep them coming back for the rest of their lives, does that make them loyal? It may or may not. But what takes it to the loyalty level is some emotional connection. Now, um, you know, you, Kevin, Atlanta Hawks. Okay, Uh, you can see I'm I've got a, a sweater on that has a St. Louis Blues NHL emblem on it. I am a true blue loyal fan since 1967 when my dad took me to the first game I went to the first year the Blues played here. I mean, there is an emotional connection. Uh, and then, they, you know, they finally win the Stanley Cup and all the activity that went around. My wife thinks I'm nuts. I I bought the replica Stanley <laughs> Cup ring, which, you know, when can you ever wear that? Okay. That was probably a waste of money. I bought a wrestler's belt that had the big Blues emblem with the Stanley Cup I wore it on New Year's two years ago. That's it. <laughs> So, but, I'm a model you're loyal, that's loyalty yeah,
1: yeah i i I think there's some this is this is going to be a problematic episode, guys, because I, I had, <laughs> so I had much some, to talk about <laughs> I had some direction that I wanted to go with this, but like every it's there's going to be a lot of splinters um it's It's interesting in the pandemic too, because I think about it from a sports perspective, what you said the difference between Shepa a loyal customer and a repeat customer. I think the way the pandemic played out where a lot of organizations had to have people commit or donate their funds, season tickets that had already been basically contributed, but now we can't fulfill all those because we have limited to no fans, right? What do you do with that money? And there were a lot of people that I I saw and talked to in the industry that were like, yeah, we had a 95% renewal rate on those numbers. But the fans hated it because the way that we did the renewal was like, if you don't donate the money or renew the money, you lose priority points and you almost tricked them into being repeat customers instead of doing something that made them feel good. So I think that difference between a repeat customer versus a loyal fan, those are very different things. Yeah. So I I think probably what they're trying to do is, is
0: force the loyalty, um, Have you ever gone to a restaurant, they give you a little punch card and they say, when you come back after six times, the seventh sandwich is free or whatever the number is, doesn't really matter. You know, that's our loyalty program. No, it's not a loyalty program. That's a marketing program. Marketing creates repeat customers. Loyalty is connection. And if you offend your customer, as David, I believe you were referring to, it was almost offensive the way they handled the renewal of, you know, the season. If you have paid the money, you know. I think that, um, you know, you're 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 risking moving people away from the emotion that you want them to have. You don't want them to have one of frustration, one of disappointment, one of anger, one of you let me down. And I think that's how you felt. Um, You know, I I don't know how all the different sports teams are handling everything. I mean, there's some cities that when you watch the games, the stand, uh, the stands are completely empty versus others. You can see, you know socially distanced people properly, you know, seated. Um, and it's very difficult for a team that normally has, you know, 40,000 people in their stands to drop down to 12 or 1500, which is what's happened. Um, you know, where I go with the St. Louis blues, it's, it's uh, 18 to 19,000 and they don't allow more than 1200. And I believe at the time it's hard. It's hard. So how do you handle that? How do you, um, and I watched how they did it. I'm I've been a season ticket for so so long that I was in the first wave of 10 people that were allowed to buy these small groups of tickets. I thought, oh man, I can, I'm going to be in the first wave. And I was, but guess where I was the second group of tickets when they came up for sale, I was number eight out of a one to 10, which is totally fine. I go, oh, now I know what they're doing. And I think it's really nice because I'm generous. I want the people who wouldn't normally get to see the game to finally get to see a game if they wanted to. And of course, if there were any tickets left over, they offered them up to the uh, earlier season ticket holders. But I just like the way they they did it. And they explained the process. I think the word I'm looking for, and I know I went long on this, is transparency. They were very transparent with how they were going to do this. And uh, we all felt good about it.
2: You know, there's a couple of things too. You know, the transparency... And and genuineness, right? Because if it's if it, if you're transparent, you're having conversation openly, and you're sharing the details of what's going on. Uh, and, it, and it takes me back just a minute ago, and I hate to go backwards, but when you go when you all spoke about mission, right, David? You mentioned writing that mission and and drawing that mission, uh, and then you're talking about taking care of the people, Shep. Well, the mission shouldn't be written for. This is just my perspective. The board of directors and the board of governors. The mission should be written for the people because it's about serving the people. And you gotta serve them genuinely and with transparency. Because you can't, like you said, you can't coerce right that emotional connection. And without that emotional connection, you just got a body. And it's gonna, uh, you know, pan out at some point.
0: So let's talk about that mission for a moment, because if if I go into a boardroom and I'm sitting around with CEO and all the executives, and I look at uh, somebody. I go, "Can you tell me what your mission and value statement is?" And they'll look at me. Even the CEO will sometimes say, "Well, well, I, I, I know what it means. You know, I can <laughs> recite some of it." And I think that's a big mistake that companies make. It's important. I call this a mantra, but it is the first step in the you know what in, of my six steps of customer focused culture, which is to define what your customer service looks like in the form of some type of a, a customer service vision or mission, but it should be one sentence long or less. It could be just a few words. Uh, my favorite is an example. I'll give you two favorites. Uh, Ace Hardware is the helpful hardware place. Helpful hardware place is three words. Now that is a, a kind of a tagline, but it's also internally what they teach uh, when you come to work there. And if you, you know, in all the, there's a lot of owners of ACE hardware stores. There's about 4,600, 4,700 stores throughout the world, 70 plus countries. And they have uh, over 3,000. I think it's close to 3,500 owners. But there's a certain process and training that they go through that comes from the ACE hardware headquarters. And that is about the idea that we have to live this mantra to be the most helpful, um, I guess, um, hardware type store or home improvement store on the planet. And they'd like to be the most helpful har- uh, store, period, on the world. But they, let's focus on their industry, which I think is brilliant. The Ritz-Carlton, nine words long, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, that's not a publicly shared mantra. Uh, actually, I think they call it, their. that's a credo for them, but you get the idea. It, it's internal. And when you come to work there, you learn that it's easy to remember and everything they train you to is trained toward that North star We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. But
2: well, you know what we, I lived it two for six years. I know you're jumping out there, David, but at Disney, we yeah. created happiness, right? Now it was a longer sentence, but that was what you gleaned from it. We create happiness. So here's another it's, one. Is
1: my favorite. Uh, so, you know, when we, yeah. when we do this with organizations, Oh, go ahead. No, no, gotcha.
0: I want to hear why the Ritz is your favorite. Then I'm gonna go back to Disney again.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I was gonna say, you know, when we're when we're doing this or with different organizations, where we go in, we create a, a purpose statement. You know, different service standards. You know, uh, to your point, a purpose statement is really the foundation for everything else and all the other systems and processes that you build from it. Ritz is always my favorite because of its simplicity Exactly. And because it, it it conjures an image. It conjures an image in your head and it, it creates an emotion in your head. It's not, it doesn't just tell you what they're doing. You can visually see the scene in front of you in those nine words. And I think that's what's so cool. And that's probably why it's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Somebody called me out on the other day because I use it so often, but they called me out about how it's not inclusive anymore. So I said, How about this? Uh, we are humans. Mm-hmm. Serving humans—it's not as exciting as ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but I, I think the idea behind it—wait, it, wait, maybe, maybe
1: should we should we go down that rabbit hole? Oh, go ahead. Well, go hold ahead, on. Show. Don't go down.
0: <laughs> Let me go back to Disney for a second because something I learned from the Disney Institute, where Kevin, you got on stage and preached uh, the Disney was everybody at Disney has three jobs, right? Did you teach this? Okay. And the three jobs <laughs> are—I'm not going to put you on the spot. Number one do the job you're hired to do. Number 2,
2: mm-hmm.
0: take care of the guest, right? Number 3, mm-hmm. keep the park clean. Oh yeah. And yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that that's so easy. <clears throat> if I if I'm Walt Disney still alive today and I walk up to any one of my cast members, the the what we call our employees and I say, "Can you tell me what your three jobs are?" And yes, sir, Mr. Disney, I am a ticket taker. I take care of the guests, and I keep this place clean.
1: Okay, I think Walt because be we were very, all very, very part happy of housekeeping.
2: We were all part of housekeeping. Yep.
1: <laughs> well, what, what, what's interesting there, Shep? I mean, like from how we thought about keeping it clean. So we we took cleanliness and bucketed it under safety and sure. Mm. So it wasn't just about the show aspect. We actually bucketed it under safety because from a perception of safety, when you walk somewhere and you see trash on the ground, you see spilled cups, you're, you don't think it's a very safe place. And that mentally, whether you actually think those thoughts or you just feel it, we bucketed it under safety. And so by bucketing, keeping the park clean under safety, it became a non-negotiable. And so that's kind of how it made its way up so high on the, the totem
0: pole. Yeah. So if if on my six step process, number one is defining your your vision, which is that mantra. Number four is a leader that will emulate the, the behaviors you want. And I use Disney as an example. Walt Disney would walk into the park, he would see a piece of paper on the ground, pick it up, and throw it away because he knew everybody was watching him. Michael Eisner referred to that as stooping to excellence. And the idea being that excellent people would do exactly that, that regardless of what a grade they are how high or how low they are in the company. And to watch the the leader do that was good.
2: That's a great example, Shep, because when you talk about, everything we talk about with service, right, from my perspective is you have to ingrain people and immerse them into your culture. And picking up trash was a part of our culture, even to the degree in traditions, which was our onboarding and and our uh, orientation program. We taught what we call the Disney scoop, right? The Disney scoop was how you stayed in stride and you bent down and picked up that trash and kept it moving, and then you dumped it in a trash <laughs> can it. that was strategically placed twenty six steps apart from the next trash can. Talk about culture and building service into that too. I'm going to stick with this because I love it to take care of people.
1: Love it, love it. I, I want to go back to this rabbit hole of inclusiveness <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like. You two are guys that we can actually talk about it with some level of sophistication on this, and I—it's I, not a conversation that I, most people are like, "Why are we talking about this?" Um, so I actually think in those purpose statements, here's my hot take: that like the what we talked about with Ritz Carlton not being inclusive, I think it's better to not be inclusive when we think about that. Here's where I'm going with this. So if you look at Chick Fil A's common purpose, or it's it's something along the lines of. We glorify God in everything that we do. It, no surprise, it's about God. And my take on that is someone might say that's non-inclusive to someone that doesn't, that isn't a Christian, maybe, right? And one, it says God, not Jesus. But the second thing there is that I think by, non, by being too inclusive, you open it up to people that don't fit in your culture or that don't fit with your values. <clears throat> by because this is something that I think you really need to clearly articulate what it is that you stand for, you kind of have to say what you also don't want, I guess. I, I don't, I agree out here, you, but that That's where my thought is.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what, the idea of, you know, we call them ladies and gentlemen, be, not because they're female or male, it's the term, whether it's, it's valid today or not with all that we are so sensitive about. But the idea of gentlemen is different than Hey man, hey boy, hey girl, hey wo- you know woman, it's whatever. Distinguished.
2: It, it's distinguished. It's a, it's a
0: distinguishing comment. It's not meant to be, uh, you know. So you know, we're we're a highly respected human beings serving other highly respected human beings. Doesn't have <laughs> quite the uh, the ring to it. <laughs>
2: and, and you said so. something. And you said something too, right? It's distinguished. They know who they are when they establish that purpose, right? And to your point, David, right? Is everybody going to be a partaker of our service, of our culture, of our you know, business, fill in the blank? And more importantly than, again, I think it was, if it was not Dr. King, I know he has said it or repeated it, right? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? And so in today's environment, you got to stand for something. That's why we spend so much time, I think, Creating these values for our organization and aligning personal values with organizational values so that we have the right fit people within our organization.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Now, David, I believe the Chick-fil-A line that you used is probably not their customer focus statement. Um, it's yeah, it's internal. It's yeah. in yeah, it's internal. And and you know, it's part of their vision and their values and what they're all about. Okay, but Um, If you're really going to be a customer focused company, you must have a statement that's tied to your customer service and experience. Uh, There's a company in Nashville, Symbiosis, um, kind of a tech company, and they have a uh, the mantra. I love it. It's uh, we love our customers so much when we kiss them, their lips bleed. So that's that's like kind of Whoa. a passion statement. As yeah. much as anything else. Was
2: a little scary, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's why I
1: like it. It stands out. It stands out. Uh yeah, we, we could go forever. I mean, we just created one with uh with Austin FC, the new MLS team that's pretty, pretty great that I like. It's like building ATX's spiritual home. Through the memories and moments we create for our people, or sh- something along those lines. But it's really about the spiritual home. And anyway, uh, Shep, I, we've referenced this multiple <clears throat> times now. You've got six steps to a customer. I've given you
0: a number one and number four. Do you want them in order? Cause yeah, quick. give it to us in order. For <laughs> right. so the first one, you know, create the mantra, the vision that everybody can remember that's simple enough that it's easily recitable, one sentence or less. Number two, communicate it and it's communicated all of the time all over the place in break rooms employee entrances it's everywhere uh number three is proper training and training isn't something you do at onboarding it's not something you did it's something you do ongoing uh if i'm if i'm running uh all the ushers at the atlanta hawks game you know what's going to happen before every game we're going to have a huddle just like the ritz carlton has a huddle before every shift and we're going to talk about what worked the last game or two, what didn't work, what we're going to work on today. And it's just going to be a place in that huddle where I'm going to talk about service. Anyway, that could be considered a training. Of course, you can still have formal training throughout the years to come. Uh, number four is to um, be the role model, especially. And by the way, anybody can be a role model, but especially leadership has to be the role model. Where people would say, you know what, uh, it's not like do as I say Not as I do. No, it's do as I do and do as I do. You know, say and do should be the same. Something like that. Anyway, (laughs) number five is if you're a leader, you need to keep people in alignment. And that means if there's a group, a person, a whole department, uh, a region, if you're a large company, uh, get them back into alignment with what your vision is for this. And number six, when it's working, it's celebrating time. And that's what you do. So uh, you define it. Uh, number two, you communicate it. Number three, you train to it. Number four, you demonstrate it. Number five, you keep people in alignment. And you defend the culture, so to speak. And number six, celebrate it when it works. That's the Katie, fastest clip it. I ever
1: did that. <laughs> I was going to say, clip it, clip it, like like we're uh, an esports gamer. Uh, Shep, which are, or Kevin, which one of those do you want to unpack first? Because all of them are really good.
2: Well, you know what, you know what, I'm I'm passionate about, and as part of my role, that's the learning and development piece. That's to train it. Right, it's not it's not just good enough to to hire for attitude and get great people, but you got to continue to teach them about your culture. You got to continue to teach them about themselves. You got to continue to teach them about your customers. And right, you've got to teach them to to be, I'll say, be promoted within your organization or be stolen from your organization. Meaning, you're you're imparting so much knowledge and wisdom and 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 business, you know, acumen into them that everybody wants them, but to Shep's last one, you're celebrating them so much, they want to stay. So that's my favorite, right? That's, that's my passion, training and teaching them.
1: Let's, let's talk a little bit about that then. Shep, uh, from your perspective, you're running an NBA team or you're in Kevin's role in an arena. What does that meeting look like for you? You mentioned training is not just a, hey, get everybody together before the season and do a training. It's every game. What, yeah. what might that meeting look like for you? How would you run that? And first of all, I love that
0: we would do uh, something at the beginning of the season to, to bust it wide open and do it right. And it's kind of a refresher. Of course, there's onboarding training, but that short huddle. Uh, and let's go back to the Ritz Carlton who around the world, uh, they everybody practices this concept of we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you how it works. They've got 24 gold standards that drive that statement. And every single day. They are, the, a manager has a huddle before the shifts begins with all of employees and in the hotel business, easy to do. In the sports business, easy to do a short huddle with your, I mean, I've seen what happens before a game. I see all the ushers sitting in the stands and somebody's talking to them. That's the huddle, right? It could be 10 minutes long and you're reminding people what they do. But here's what the Ritz does. 24 gold standards every day. The manager shares one of those and talks about it for just a moment or two, not 10, 20 minutes, but maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, maybe an example of it, maybe asking one of the team members, would they share an example of how this gold standard worked for them in the last week or two? And you know what happens on day two? They do number two. At the end of day 24, they go back to number one on the 25th day. It's like rinse, lather, repeat, or no, it's lather, rinse, repeat. Okay. Now here's what's cool. (laughs) You're in the Ritz-Carlton in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live, or Atlanta, where the headquarters are, or Abu Dhabi. It doesn't matter. You will hear the same gold standard that day. It's consistent across the entire organization. Now, an NBA team, much easier. You're the only team. This is it. You've got this business. You don't have to worry about the rest of the world. Focus on that team. And you know what? Maybe give them some examples. Uh, I love... Uh, there was a great uh, example where, um, and I go to a hockey example, a puck flipped over the, uh, uh, the boards above the glass and it hit somebody in the head and blood splattered everywhere. Now, I watched, it was literally 20 feet from me. I watched the usher go down. First of all, are you okay? Looks at the camera on the Jumbotron, holds her hands over her head in this uh, X formation, and within one minute, a team of paramedics and security people were there. That is a process in place that happened. That was training. That was perfectly executed training. By the way, they took this guy away and I go out the exit where the ambulances are. And there's a guy in the ambulance. It was where they're getting stitched up. And I so I poked my head and he goes. They gave me a hockey stick and a puck and a ticket to come back. This is the best game I've ever been to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So anyway, I digress. But imagine telling that story at the beginning of the season and then other people throughout the season sharing their version of how they were helping fans in the stands. And maybe other ideas about, you know, what they did. But that's the idea you want to take in just a few minutes and just give people a reminder because we need to keep that fan focus or that customer focus front of mind.
2: You know, Shep, you brought something back to, to, to memory. <clears throat> I was working for I worked for several big box retailers as a general manager over the years. And uh this one retailer, you know, it was an opportunity. They had a new president. We had a new president come in and it was a small, uh, intimate setting where we were gonna be able to engage the president. So I'm like, Okay, right, I know he's gonna drop some good words, drop some nuggets, I'm ready to take notes, you know, and um he said something very simple. He said, You want to get people to be successful. You want to teach them. You want to train them. Then you take a subject or you take our values and you talk about that stuff all the time. And he said, talk about that stuff all the time. And he looked to the other side of the room. He said, I'm telling you, just talk about that stuff all the time. I'm like, are you kidding? Are these the words? Is this the right the verbiage and the vernacular true, I was though. gonna hear? And now was that was chef that was probably you know 12 years 15 years ago and it sticks with me just repeat it doesn't have to be complicated right it's,
0: right yeah yeah i actually uh, i talk about this in my upcoming book uh, a concept uh called the shortest customer service speech in the world and true story i i was doing my speech i'm the closing speaker i had 40 minutes and the people in front of me were going longer and longer and longer and whoever was in charge comes up and says, You have to end on time no matter what time you start because we've got this event happening afterwards. You have to end on time. So I'm looking at my time getting knocked down to maybe, you know, 30 minutes, 25 minutes. But now there's two minutes left. And the guy says, What do you want to do? I said, Put me in, coach. <laughs> I walked out there with two minutes to go and I said, um, You know what? We're going to end on time today. And realize that's just in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to give you, The world's shortest customer service speech you've ever heard. So imagine I haven't even been introduced and you didn't get this little warm up here from me. But here we go. I'm going to start the speech right now and I'm going to have time left over. Are you ready? Be nice. And I started to walk off stage and then I came back. I I think I got about another 45 seconds left. I just want to tell you that be nice is not as easy as it sounds. In theory, it's simple, but it's actually, I've written now eight books on how to be nice. There's a lot that goes into driving that feeling that there are nice people and nice to do business with. But that's the whole point. It starts with something as simple as be nice and then defining what that means. We're ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, define what that means. Our mantra is three words, always be amazing. And that's for our clients and for the people we work with here and teaching our clients to be amazing for their clients. And uh, whenever we are doing something, it's like, is this amazing behavior? If it's not, we need to fix it. And we have a very clear definition of what amazing is here too. So it's not like it's over the top, blow me away.
1: We can get into that if you want later on. Uh, Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. I also want to get into what you just referenced, which is your new book, uh, which people can pre-order right now, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I love
1: this book. All right. Hey, so, tell tell us about
0: it. The one I just wrote, it's the title is I'll be back. How to get customers to come back again and again. And if you purchase the <laughs> book today or any time in the next few months, the book does not come out officially until September, but you will immediately get the ebook uh, at no charge. I mean, eventually there will be a charge for it. But if you buy the book and just go to the I'll be back book, dot com website and I L L with no apostrophe. So it's really it'll be back book.
1: Katie will link .com. to it right in the show notes. <laughs> okay, so tell us how how is the book structured? What what are the chapters? What are what are you really trying to drive home? Obviously you sure. said it's so about being nice a hundred different ways, but yeah tell us
0: right that. well one of the chapters is the shortest customer service speech in the world. So I've given you that but uh you know, and, and how can you have a book titled I'll Be Back without referencing the man that made the phrase famous, I'll Be Back? Now, that's not really about the Terminator and Arnold Schwarzenegger, but there's a lot to the idea of I'll Be Back. And he used that line numerous times throughout his movie career to reference either I'll Be Back or Hey, I'm back, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But uh, the most important measurement, we talked a little bit about that. Does a customer come back? That's behavioral. Foundational concepts such as what does amazement mean? Moments of magic, uh, the culture challenge, it's got to be ingrained in your culture. Uh, we get some some tactical ideas. You can't automate a relationship. So many companies today are trying to figure out how to way, ways to bring digital in. And I think it's important to bring in digital experiences, even self-service experiences. But if you get too far to being totally digital, you risk becoming a commodity. Very few companies have ever been able to break through that. Amazon is one of the best companies digital, and they've created an incredible following of loyalty. and, and uh, But I will tell you, they, they now know what it's like to have competition with Walmart and Target and other major retailers that have come in and e-retailers that have come in and said, we can do that too. But for years, they were the only ones. But it's tough to do it, uh, uh, do, when I say do it, uh, have a relationship with a customer if it's totally digital. So that's an important part. We talk about 10 different reasons uh, a customer is going to say you're terminated and never want to do business with you again. And we also talk about three reasons of how uh, you would want to terminate your customer and why. Uh, one of my favorite chapters is the last chapter, which is where the rubber hits the road, where I give you this process on how to, uh, like, you, you can't look at your competition anymore for ideas. People say, well, what are what is our competition doing that we're not doing? We better do it. I think that's part of the process and it's an early part of the six step process, but, uh, there you go, six steps again, but you know, the, the first step and I'll give it to you really fast is, you know, why would someone do business with you? And then look at your competition. Why would they do business with someone do business with them? Are they doing something that we're not doing? And by the way, you'd never want to copy. You want to, I mean, some case you might have to do exactly the same thing, but you should take something and then make it your own. And then, uh, you know, look at your look at your uh outside of your industry and say, what is it that companies out there are doing that we love? And let's like whatever favorite company. I love going to the you know Atlanta Hawks game. Why? Well, give me all the reasons why. I love Amazon. Why? I love you know my doctor's office. Why? Write all those reasons down, and then what are they doing that you're not doing that's not even in your industry that you could be doing? And you'll learn. Like when I go to Amazon, I get immediate confirmation, I my order's been placed. Uh, they tell me when it's shipped with shipping information, tracking information. They give me uh, a, bi- a picture of the box sitting next to my door at home. So what is it that they're doing? It's not about the emails. It's about they're giving me information. I love that. We and So we learn. We need to give our customers information every step of the way. They like to know what's going on. So uh, once you define what they're doing, then start figuring out the top or, the, or what I would call the lowest hanging fruit, but your top. Reasons and things that you can change in your business. Go back and ask yourself again. Now, why would someone do business with me? And that's kind of a process I've taken you through. That uh, it's one of my favorite chapters. I love that
1: chapter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm, I'm excited. I got to get it. So we have to get started on
1: it. We definitely have to get it, and we'll definitely link to the book in the in the show notes. Um, and and to, like for this show, right? It's called Flip the Switch because our whole thing is about getting ideas from a different industry. I mean, that, that is mm. a lot of what we do on the show. Yep. Um, we had Jesse Cole. We've had Jesse Cole on a couple
0: Jesse's of my buddy. When Jesse was I, first starting out, not in the business <laughs> he's in, but getting into, you know, he wrote the book, and he, he Jesse's unbelievable. It, he, he flipped the switch when it came to looking what's going on outside and bringing it into a sports venue. They do things
1: there that nobody else does it's it's unbelievable and we we talk about it with him where it's like they constantly get it where they're not looking at other sports teams they're looking outside and i think more and more sports teams are starting to do that but uh it's certainly something that should be done more often i mean we we do a we do something called a design sprint which we by no means made up and you know it's been around started at google and one of the elements in there is called a lightning jam and as we're creating new ideas everybody has to go out and pull ideas from different industries. So if we're creating a new renewal website for season tickets, you got to go look at, you know, what is Harry's razors doing to renew you on a monthly basis? What are all these other companies doing? And it starts to give you so many good ideas. And that's the process that we do with our clients, but you start to really see there's a lot of great things happening in other yep. industries.
0: Oh. Yeah, so um, I've, I've got a case study in the book <laughs>
2: next time. <laughs> I don't know how much time we got, but but I got a question, Shep, right? Sure. Because we're all readers, right? We read, we study, we analyze, you know, you write. Uh, but when you get that CEO, that president, uh, that executive, and the other end of the spectrum, if you will, no, no, no negative to anybody, but you get that frontline worker, when you get those people in front of you behind closed door or in a in a training room one-on-one or one-on-two. What's the message from all of the books, from all of the knowledge? What's the message for that CEO president to get it from that frontline worker to get it?
0: So, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot that we could talk about here, but I'm going to put it all into like a basic sentence that it doesn't matter who's in that room with the CEO, the first person ever, or, or the last, most recently hired person, the, the janitor, the whomever. Customer service is not a department. It's a philosophy. And it needs to be embraced by everybody. And it's really important that everybody understands their role in, in what they do. And some people say, well, I'm in accounting, I'm in finance. I don't even see the customer. Yeah. But you know what? If, if you didn't do your job, something's going to happen where the customer is going to feel it. Uh, the baggage handler that's, you know, handling my luggage that goes down the ramp when I go on, take a trip somewhere, that person never sees my face, but if he or she does not put the bag on the right plane, when I get to the uh, airport, where I, my destination, I'm going to be very disappointed. By the way, they let down two people in that example. Uh, they let down me as a passenger, and they let down that poor soul that works at the baggage claim office, that all they do is deal with unhappy passengers that have lost their <laughs> right. luggage. So, And yeah. that's an internal customer situation. So we have to make sure that everybody understands it's philosophical. Everybody has a role.
1: And then tell them what their role is.
2: That's great stuff. That's great stuff.
1: Uh, so let let's go into these last questions here that we, we have. We have so many good ones. And normally I, I don't want to hit these, but Shep is you're too much of, of kind of a, a legend and you've been in this industry for so long. I mean, Cult of the Customer is, is such a good one, a good book to get and you've got so many on there that people can check those out. But I, I want to cover some of these other questions that we've got. So let's, let's start here. We'll run through them. Uh, on, the, on the Google sheet, it's the additional question. So outside of your own books, what's the book you've given the most as a gift or recommended the most?
0: Sure. Uh, that's easy. It's called The Experience Economy by Joe Pine and Jim Gilmore. One of the very best books. It's been out there a while. It was recently updated, but it is really the whole idea behind how you take a coffee bean And turn it into this incredible experience that Starbucks, they use Starbucks as a major case study uh, about, you know, a commodity becomes an experience which
1: turns into, you know, repeat business and loyalty. So we're going to get Joe on the show at some point, Uh, right when COVID hit, we were talking about coming on and we were like, "Ah, maybe not the best time. Let's see how this pandemic plays into customer experience so we're going to get him on at some point but that's a that's the classic foundational book i love it yeah
0: by the Um, way you know joe pine brilliant guy jim gilmore his partner it's a different type of brilliance they so much complement each other it'd be worth bringing them on separately not together
1: good advice good advice okay um, let's jump to the next one here. I'm going to go to the gigantic billboard question. Uh, you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it. Metaphorically speaking, you know, basically getting your message out everywhere. What are you putting on that billboard?
0: Uh, by I'll be back. No, it's just, <laughs> www. I'll be uh, No, I would say, um, there's, you know, I'll go back to what I said earlier you know, customer service and experience is not a department. It's a philosophy, you know, that's, that's why I believe when I create my programs, whether they're training programs, uh, granted, if you hire me for a speech, I talk to that audience. But if you look at like our, we have online programming for customer service, you know, on-demand programming, it's meant to be used by everybody in the company, not just the people in the customer service department, if you will. Um, so I believe uh, in the philosophy. Customer service is not a department; it's a philosophy to be embraced by everybody in an organization.
2: I'll tell you End what, core. and it's and, and it's still amazing, Chef Malay. It's still amazing that organizations are still trying to figure that out, and they're still trying to embrace that. You know, and um, there's a, there's a few of us right that are lone soldiers continuing to try to push that message because. Right. I don't know. Let's say engineering or you know, let's say, you know, marketing. They're focused on messaging or they're focused on gadgets and widgets working. Very, very important stuff. But they also need to be focused on, right, our customers, our guests, our fans. And it's it's amazing that we, we're still, you know, kind of kind of tromping uphill to get that message out. So keep doing what you're doing, Shep, please. We need you. you. All right. I'm going to flip
1: to the next question and I'm going to change it up a little bit from how it's written in here. All right, what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments an organization who's focused on service can make?
0: Ongoing training.
1: Or buy my new book.
0: No, ongoing training. <laughs> <laughs> you asked. No, I you know, I'll go back to what we said earlier. Training isn't something you did, it's something you do. You have to constantly put in front of people and remind them over and over again to keep it front of mind. And remember that celebration piece in that six-step process. That's celebration is in the form of call it rewards if you want, but recognition for doing a good job. People like to be recognized when they are doing the right thing. And uh, if you take a look at all the reasons people want to leave a job to go to work for someone else, sometimes it is a bad boss. Sometimes it is money, but most of the time it's lack of appreciation. I Love it.
1: Um, All right, let's keep rolling here. Um, Let's go to, what are some of the bad recommendations that you hear in the realm of customer service? Bad recommendations um, when the boss says
0: "do as I say, not as I do" because they're incongruent. Oh man, that's bad because you just don't know what to do. Um, you know, um, hiring people and and Kevin, you mentioned this. I think at the very beginning, you said something that made me realize. You know, there's a. a a philosophical side of service, and then there's a technical side of service. So, uh, you know, hiring the right person. Uh, Jim Bush, who was the senior vice president worldwide of all of customer service for American Express, that if he had the choice of hiring somebody from a hotel that had worked at a front desk for a few years, or hiring somebody that worked in the support center already, he would probably take that person who worked at the hotel because they have that hospitality mentality. But just because they have a great uh, mentality for service doesn't mean they're going to be good at delivering service. You hire a server at a restaurant if they've never served before, but they worked at a hotel for 10 years behind the front desk. They know how to take care of people, but you still have to teach them how to, you know, the proper side to pick up the dish and drop down the food and when to clean the table. So the, the technical side versus the what I would call more philosophical side, uh, the softer side, they, you need to take a look at both sides.
1: I, did I answer that question? You did. You did. Okay, good. You answered it. I might have gone uh, are, like off like a politician. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that's the good stuff. Um, all right, I'm going to hit another one here. Uh, when was the last time you changed your mind about something in this realm of customer service or culture? Uh, wow, in the world of customer service and culture, I changed my mind. I'm very, I'm very
0: easily uh, open. I'm, I, well, actually, I'm not easily. I'm very open to listening to everybody's way of thinking Um, when uh, this was a big one. Uh, The guys that wrote the frictionless, I'm not sorry, uh, the effortless experience, uh, Matt Dixon and and his great guy to have. We talked about, uh, you know, creating the wow for customers and surprising and delighting. And he argued and I'd always believed in what he said, uh, but he argued that people don't want wow. They just want easy. And I took that, you know, a lot of that thinking was, well, it's not just in the customer support when I call to get help. It's throughout the entire process. But when I thought, you know, what does wow really mean? Um, You know, look at Tom Peters, who's one of the, you know, people you may or may not know who Tom Peters is. But in the 80s, he was the most prolific guy in writing books on service and experience. He talked about the wow. Well, wow can't happen unless, uh, you know, it falls in your lap. Somebody comes to you with a complaint and you go, okay, I can really make this person real happy today. Or, you know, maybe there's a rainy day and you can do something special. But wow, if you want to wow your customers or amaze your customers, I like to use the word amaze, better than average all the time. That's it. Just be a little better than average, but all of the time. And so it took me a while early on in my career because I was always trying to be like, you know, Tom Peters is great. I need to talk about the wow. But then I realized, You can't wow all the time. And uh the guys that wrote The Effortless Experience, they made that real clear. And I'd say that was a big shift because even today I have clients push back on, well, we wanna, we wanna push them to the highest level, but it's impossible. You can't do it. You know, Horse Schultz from the Ritz Carlton says, Hey, we're gonna be a little better than average all the time. And I go, give me an example of that. He says, if you walk into the hotel and You see the bellman and the bellman nods their head and says, good morning. That's nice. You know, that's average. But if you say, good morning, sir. Okay. Or ma'am, we've just bumped it up a level. Or if I remembered your name from the last time you were here or maybe from yesterday and I use your name, now you've gone really to that 10% above average, maybe a little bit more, but it isn't, wow, blow me away. (laughs) It's just part of the whole experience.
2: Well, we used to say, right, you remember, Malay, we used to say at Disney Institute, right, you don't have to go that extra mile, just go that extra inch and consistently go that extra inch, right, do a little bit more, more and more. And you just said that the sir thing, I I, I was at an appointment this morning and in the office, all of the ladies in the office and the doctors in the office said, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. I'm like, where the hell is my dad? (laughs) right i said you guys i left out of there saying you all are so nice up in here i really appreciate you and and i stood there and had conversation with them because everybody was consistent yes sir yes sir no sir no sir yes sir i was like wow this is cool
0: (laughs) want to hear a funny story i was just at a doctor's office and there was uh (laughs) i walked in my appointment was at one o'clock and i like to have the the first appointment or like the one o'clock because you know they're having lunch and there's going to be nobody ahead of you right uh, so it's one o'clock and th- there is a little, uh, like a handwritten sign that says, uh, we have lunch until one o'clock. Now I walked in at like five minutes to one and I heard him right there. I go, Hey ladies. And they said, we're eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're wow. on duty. I don't care <laughs> if you're eating lunch or not. Your, your customer, your patient or your guest. just walked in the door. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Instead of yeah. instead
2: of you're blind to us because we're eating. Right. Yeah, that's it, it basically. Always, it always... We're not even going to
0: slide
1: that little door open <laughs> to acknowledge <laughs> that you're a human being.
0: And right at one o'clock, I was like, "Girls, it's one o'clock." No, I didn't say
1: <laughs> But 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 you're right. I mean, like going back to the little the little things adding up and just being a little bit better than average at every touch point. I mean, KG, I think about uh, think about Dennis Frere. You remember him? At, oh, at absolutely, Disney's, Disney Institute legend. Yes, and I, I would remember we. Did you know Dennis Shep? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he was one of my favorite leaders to learn from. I learned so much from him that I still do every day. Um, But I remember we would give tours around Magic Kingdom uh, and he would say that it was about the, the, "Hmm, Mm -hmm. those were more important than the, oh my gosh, wow, because if you delivered the every little touch point along the way that added up to the big wow. And that's easier to ask your staff to deliver than it is to have them deliver the, Oh wow. Oh my gosh. Moment. Yeah.
0: I've probably been on that tour nine times. (laughs) There was a point where I was telling you missed something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What did I miss? Well, you know, and I appreciated the Shep's, of the tours because I would just defer to them because I did those tours sometimes so many times. Well, hey, come on up here with me. Take the mic.
1: <laughs> anyway, good. Those, those are good times. Um, yeah. All right. Last question. Bring us home. Uh, this is kind of a big one. I shouldn't have saved this one for the end, but Shep, how do, you, how do you view the importance of customer service now coming back out of the pandemic? It looks like things are a little bit better right now as, as, the, as of the date recording, March 5th. Things are starting to get better and everybody's a little bit optimistic. How how do you see the importance of customer service changing as we get back?
0: Well, I don't think it's ever changed in importance. It's always been there. I think the mistake people might have made if they did, when I say people, companies might have made, is they used the pandemic as an excuse not to deliver the level of service that the customer expected, making uh, the business that whatever they're in, you know, ripe for a competitor to come in and take away. So I think anytime. There are tough times. It's time to excel in certain areas and invest in certain areas. Um, one of the things that I've noticed when it comes to service and all levels, the digital experience, as well as the people, to people experience the pandemic, everybody says, wow, we're doing things so differently now. Do you know that if there was no pandemic, we would be doing exactly what we're doing now about three to five years from now. It was an accelerator of, of which now. I'm not happy that we had a pandemic. Nobody is, uh, although maybe grocery stores are and, uh, but definitely not restaurants. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, but you get what I'm saying there was death and destruction and sadness, but if you take that away, what the pandemic did to many businesses that looked at it the right way it made them better. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, You know, if somebody once said something like, you know, never waste a good war or whatever, Well, don't waste a good pandemic either because it's an opportunity to excel and grow and figure out things in your business that you'd never thought about before that you could make better. You know, the whole idea of convenience, which is another book I wrote, The Convenience Revolution, was about making it as easy as possible in all areas of business. Um, And what happened when I wrote it, it was just two and a half years ago, is it was breakthrough thinking because other than Matt Dixon's book. The Effortless Experience, there was no other book about lowering or reducing friction. And I look at the whole experience. And so um, now it's it became kind of trendy, but now it's, it's went from breakthrough to trend to expectation. You know, I expect that if I'm going to go buy a new car, I'm going to call the dealership, tell them what I want. They're going to bring it to me to look at. I don't have to go to the dealership anymore. And they advertised that they would do that.
1: Prior to the pandemic, hardly any dealership was willing to do that. Uh, that is such a good answer. And I honestly, KG, I don't know about you, but I had a ton of fun on this episode. I think this sets us up for part two. Shep, when you drop the book and when it comes out in September, Absolutely. You know, we're we're all back from the pandemic. We gotta get together and have another little jam we will. session. And you, can buy, you can still buy you can still get the and, book. I mean, the whole book is available. Yeah. You get it the ebook right
0: away. You know, boom, it's done.
1: So, still get it now, everybody. Yeah. But, uh, you
0: guys are awesome, man. I've loved the show. Great questions. You did your homework. I'm also talking to the, you know, like, you know, we drink the same Kool Aid. So, <laughs>
1: exactly, that's, exactly. That's, awesome. that's, that's why I'm having so much fun. Shep, where can yeah. people follow along or uh, reach out to you? Where, where's the best place for people? Yeah. Just go to my to website,
0: hyken.com, H Y K E N dot And there I am. And uh, you've, got, me you've got a YouTube. great newsletter. Plug the, yep. plug the newsletter. Sure. So there's actually a cool report uh, called the 2020 ACA 2021 is coming out sometime soon, but it's all it's. And when you get that, it's stats and facts about customer service and it automatically subscribes you to the newsletter. That's free. You get it. And and there's no sales pitches or anything. It's just it's content. I believe in giving away content. My YouTube channel is ShepTV.com and there's 600 videos. We have clients that show those videos every week because I do a weekly video once a month, whatever. There's hundreds of videos that you can share with your team. And again, no selling, just giving away. The more you give, the more you get. It's the law of abundance. That's what I
1: believe in. All right, guys. Shep, loved having you on. KGA yes, you so, get an all-star game to go plan.
2: It was a pleasure, Shep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we got to hey, go man, out there. Thanks. I got to go I do my part. You
1: guys. you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk soon. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more
2: revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.